0: Now, listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the Wildcard Weekend edition. And I don't know if wild is the best way to describe Wildcard Weekend because there were some ups, there were some downs. Some weird things happened. Expected things happened. I fell asleep at one point. I'm a little woozy today. Lots to get to in this podcast with my good buddy Rich Hill. But before we get to all that, as usual, I have to ask my gentlemanly question How are you, buddy?
0: Oh, Alec. It has been two weeks now, right? It just took a bye week, just like the Patriots did. Uh, A lot has changed. Uh, A lot has changed in the world. I'm now in D.C. full time, just moved. kind of settling in right now. We just got all of our furniture today. It's been it's been a, a busy, busy, busy holiday season for me. But Alec, how how have you been doing? How how have your weeks been?
1: Oh, it have been good, my man. I've been hanging out. Uh, I went to Jamaica over the break where I watched the Jets Patriots with a whole bunch of drunken mass holes. Nassholes travel well, Rich Hill. <laughs> they all kind of they commandeered. I felt really bad there was this British couple watching the Arsenal game before the pass game started and they had gotten the TV V first and they were being very respectful, very polite. And the mass hole just kind of hovered around them, making them very uncomfortable, hoping they'd leave early before their game ended so the Patriots game could switch over. It'll be overlapped by like 10 minutes. However, <laughs> good for the Arsenal fans. They stayed till the whistle blew and then they switched it over. But it was a really good time. And uh, I'm always very happy to have a bye week during Wildcard weekend because there's nothing quite like watching meaningful football when the Patriots aren't playing. You have nothing to worry about. and You can just relax and enjoy as much as you can. It's a pretty cool slate of games overall.
0: Yeah, seriously. And I mean our, our bye week started in the second half of week seventeen. That's why there's just nothing to talk about for the Patriots and the Jets. Yeah. But this was a this was a fun wild card weekend. You know, there was only one game in particular that was just, just Completely lousy, and that was the Bills and the Jaguars because neither of them really have a quarterback that should be in the postseason. But that's neither here nor there. We'll break that down in a little bit. First, I wanted to talk about the NFC because those were some pretty good games that took place. On Saturday, you had the Falcons, the number six seed, upsetting the number three seed Los Angeles Rams, twenty-six to thirteen. And the next day, you had the the New Orleans Saints, the number three seed, or, uh, the number four seed, excuse me, beating the Carolina Panthers 31 to 26. Those games, I mean, the NFC South really showed up in both of them. The Panthers, Saints, and Falcons all looked really good, but the Falcons and Saints prevailed. Did you get to catch any of those games, and do either of those teams really make you afraid moving forward? I actually
1: caught a decent chunk of the Falcons-Rams game and a decent amount of the Saints-Panthers game. I feel bad. I actually turned off the Saints-Panthers game. They were up like 31-16 to 16 or 19 with not much time left. I figured they had it in the bag, but the Panthers came roaring back. I saw that McCaffrey highlight, and Newton had the ball late with a chance to score, and uh, here was a real barn burner. But I think the teams that deserve to win both these games won it. I feel like the Falcons, they really come into their own late. They were a very mediocre team for much of the season, but they turned it on when they needed to. And the Saints, honestly, in my opinion, of the teams currently left in the a- NFL playoffs, AFD, NFC, as a Patriots fan, I think they're the team that worried the most.
0: Oh, I completely agree with that, uh, both of those, actually. The, the Falcons, they remind me a little bit – of the the mid-season patriots where their offense was doing just enough you know they, they were hovering in the mid-20s for points but the defense is really showing up i really like the players that they have over there grady Jarrett is one of the rising stars at defensive tackle and Dion jones is for my money the linebacker that i would want to start my defense with for the modern nfl you know, Luke Keekly, is up there as well. He played well for the Panthers. But Dion Jones, he's young. He's athletic. He can cover. He can stop the run. He does it all. The Falcons, I think, have a really good chance of going into Philadelphia next week and upsetting the number one seed Eagles, and that could put the, the Falcons in the NFC Championship game for the second straight season. I would not be surprised by that outcome, but I agree with you. This Saints team really worries me. They, I mean, they put up 31 points, and when you see their running back production, I mean, Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram, they had 45 yards on the ground. They didn't really produce too much on that front, and... I mean, they are just an extraordinary running back duo. They can run, they can catch, they can block, they can do it all. Drew Brees, for my money, is you know the the second best quarterback in this postseason after Tom Brady. And when you combine that with a defense that really is outstanding, they have so they're very young, but they're they're exceeding all expectations. And so you combine that amazing offense, but with those running backs in particular with a strong defense, the Saints can really take any team to the wire.
1: They really can. And again, you know, Drew Brees is the second-best quarterback in the playoffs right now behind Tom Brady. He's very under... He's a Hall of Famer, but I still think he's an underrated quarterback. And when you talk about the all-time greats, he doesn't always come up immediately. And what he's done with the weapons he's had has been really impressive. I, I love the Saints. They're a really enjoyable team to watch. I think they're, they're, they're good. They make me happy when I watch them. They're, they're a feel-good team for a lot of reasons. They're kind of like the Patriots of the South. they've also been persecuted by the NFL so there's kind of a bond there between these two teams and I would actually really really enjoy I'm not going to say anything but I would really enjoy if the Saints were to make the Super Bowl because then maybe other things could transpire in the AFC and there could be a game I'd be interested in in the Super Bowl but I feel like (laughs) the upcoming divisional matchup in the NFC Falcons at Eagles Saints at Vikings there's a lot of intrigue there and the Falcons are a favorite of the Eagles, which is crazy for a six seed over a one seed. And I'd be really curious to see this game if Carson Wentz was healthy. It's really too bad what happened to him. I don't really know how that's going to go. And then say it's Viking. That's going to be an absolute must-see television, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you've followed the like the Bill Simmons postseason rules, but I actually I believe in them a lot where it's give the quarterback and the head coach – A rating on the scale of one to 10 and combine them and whichever team has the higher score should be the favorite. And you look at the this Falcons, you know, all four teams in the NFC, I would say it's close to a push for how you would grade all of them as head coaches. And, but when it comes to quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, they are the two best quarterbacks left in the NFC. And so if if I had to make a prediction right now, I would expect an NFC South showdown in the NFC Championship game with the Saints hosting the Atlanta Falcons. And the, the winner gets to go play for my bet, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if a number four seed – has ever hosted a championship game. I'm sure they have, but it's very rare. It's usually the one or 2 seed hosting. That'd be really cool. Not only would it be the Saints in the NFC Championship, it's really hard not to root for them, but uh, an NFC South a divisional matchup for the third time for the right to go to the Super Bowl, that's just a really, really sweet narrative. Although I'll have to say this, Rich, I would also love to see the Minnesota Vikings beat the Saints and beat the Falcons Eagles, because that'd be really cool to see a home team get a, playoff, get a Super Bowl game. That'd be kind of a fun storyline as well.
0: Do you think that would be a, an unfair advantage or do you think that it would just wouldn't matter at all? Because right now I'm looking at the odds and the, the, the Vikings have uh, the best chance of winning in the Super Bowl because the odds makers think that, you know what, they're just going to get a home field advantage and that's just a huge underestimated benefit to that they will have out there. I mean,
1: I, it's possible. I mean, the Vikings fans are great. They always show up. It's a dome, so there's a lot of noise to be possibly pumped in if you're dirty. Otherwise, just kind of go after it. And I don't know. I guess it really depends on the team. I feel like some teams are much more susceptible to other teams' home field advantages. It really depends on who goes in there for the AFC should the Vikings make it. But I mean, it's definitely a factor. I'll be very curious to see if it happens how the NFL handles ticket distribution because I know that the Super Bowl tickets are very hard to get. It's a hot ticket, and there are season ticket holders. I I don't know exactly if they've ever really encountered this, where you've got season ticket holders, they get first dibs. Is there a lottery? It's a whole kind of new, new, kind of new waters in the NFL, and uh, I'll be curious to see what happens if it happens.
0: Yeah, speaking of home field advantage, there is also another game that's about to brew next week between the jacksonville jaguars and the pittsburgh steelers where a home field advantage might not matter too much uh the jaguars they beat the bills 10 to 3 and for what my money was the biggest snooze fest of the wild card weekend neither team really had anything going on offense blake bortles just whatever he was doing in december just ended and he's just been a non-factor uh except for as a running back he had 88 (laughs) rushing yards on 10 carries he was the best running back of the day on either side. But Tyrod Taylor showed that he just doesn't have the aggression necessary to take advantage of such you know potential deep threats that are out there. And so, I mean, it was just an ugly game. It was a defensive showdown, sure, but I prefer defensive showdowns where they make good and big plays as opposed to the offense just fails to execute. And I think <laughs> it was more of just like the failure on both of their parts. But now the Jaguars, the 3 seed, they move on to face the Steelers in Pittsburgh, where back in week five, Jacksonville went on the road and they beat the Steelers 30-9. to 30-9, that was just one of the biggest upsets of the season. Uh, Blake Bortles had 95 passing yards and an interception, no touchdowns. He had a, just a nothing day, but Ben Roethlisberger had five interceptions. Do you think the Jaguars have a chance next week?
1: Honestly, no. I feel like right now there's very much a Pittsburgh Steelers revenge tour vibe being set up. May overtake the Jaguars who humiliated them at home and they'll go on to face the Patriots, who they lost to on some controversy that Jesse James catch that was slash wasn't. I feel like if Pittsburgh's gonna go this year They're going to go the right way, which is beating the two teams that kind of had their number during the regular season and beat them in humiliating fashion, and that would be a good storyline. Like I've always said, every Super Bowl winning team has this it factor, this thing that kind of drives them, this otherworldly kind of outside the the numbers narrative, and that's the one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I cannot imagine the Jaguars coming in as good as their defense is, as good as the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is. Blake Portals, the way he's playing right now. I just cannot see him doing enough to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't see Big Ben throwing five picks and two pick sixes in the divisional round.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Leonard Fournette, the running back for the the Jaguars had 181 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the day, including a 90 yard score. And, uh, they also added two defensive touchdowns, you know, two pick sixes. So the offense didn't do too much other than that. Uh, So, I mean, unless they get another five-turnover game, I think that the Jaguars are just not going to be able to keep up with the Pittsburgh offense that is theoretically going to be at full strength, right? Because Ben Roethlisberger is going to be playing, Le'Veon Bell is going to be playing, and Antonio Brown should be back. He hasn't played for a few weeks because of that calf injury he suffered against the Patriots. But next week against the Jaguars is the first game he should return. He is back at practice. So... Theoretically, their offense should be there and able to operate it on cylinders, but it's not something that they've been able to count on. So on paper, I would say that the Steelers can win that one. But as we saw last week, anything can happen because uh, the Titans, the Titans beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I would have said on paper, the Titans had no chance of doing that.
1: No, it's it's crazy, especially if you watch the first half, 21-3. to three. You know, Marcus Mariota could not get anything going through the air. They weren't running the ball that well. The Chiefs doing what the Chiefs did: short drives, a solid running game. Tyree is always dangerous. Travis Kelsey's second best tight end in the game. But then two things happened. Uh, Travis Kelsey went out with a concussion due to a kind of bang-bang play, nothing malicious there, no malintent, not a dirty hit, just one of those things where football happens, unfortunately, and he was really scary watching him get up. But it was obvious when he went out, it totally changed the dynamic of their offensive schemes and the defensive scheme for the Titans. And then something else happened where Marcus Mariota caught and threw a touchdown pass to himself, which uh, <laughs> I think if you're the Chiefs, if you're a Chiefs fan who's been burned, I think five times at that point, home playoff losses, and you saw Marcus Mariota catch a his own touchdown pass— You had to be like oh no here we go again and lo and behold 22 to 21 the Titans are heading to Foxborough
0: yeah seriously and so there's a lot to to break down on this game and part of it can just be leveraged into some discussion of how the Patriots can learn anything from this game but the Chiefs are up 21 to 3 uh Kareem Hunt had done a great job in the first quarter. He seemed to be unstoppable. I believe he only had five carries in the second half, something ridiculous like that. A lot of the the Kansas City Chiefs' failures belong at the feet of head coach Andy Reid, who somehow, for all of his experience, can still not figure out how to coach in the playoffs, how to manage the clock, how to do play calling in order to sustain a lead when it matters most. Uh, he has been the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for five seasons right now. They have gone one and four in the postseason, despite never finishing worse than second in their division. They've had a winning season every single time. Is he Marvin Lewis with, uh, with, with a Super Bowl appearance? Is is that all he is right now?
1: I don't mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I will say this, Andy Reid is not the only coach that has done this in the postseason, but... I don't know why certain teams kind of outthink themselves. That they're doing something that's working very, very well in the first half and the second half comes along and it's kind to of totally change the game plan, whether they think that the other team's going to change their game plans, they change their game plan, but But the Patriots know very well if something's really working, you just stick to that until it stops working, and then you make your adjustments, and Andy Reid's really bad at that. He wants to kind of keep doing things and keep finding new schemes. Now, again, maybe the Travis Kelsey concussion totally short-circuited their entire offense, and they felt they couldn't function the way they were without Kelsey in there, but – yeah, I mean, give the rookie rushing leader more than five touches in a game where you're up 21.21 21 to three, or the clock's your, your your friend in this situation. It makes no sense to me. I will also say that I feel like there were some very questionable uh, refereeing calls. I don't know why Jeff Triplett got that game, and then he retired immediately afterward. It seemed a little iffy to me. But calls or no calls, you don't blow a 21.21 21 to three lead against Marcus Mariota, the Titans at home. Just doesn't happen, and I, if I'm the Chiefs and the Chiefs GM and the Chiefs fans, I'm wondering: is, is Andy Reid the the guy I want leading my team going forward? It's, I think it's a legitimate question to ask. This
0: yeah, and I, I mean, you see that happening all around the league, where maybe the coach, there's nothing wrong with them in particular. You know, there's the the Jim Caldwells and the John Foxes of the world, where you know what? They're good, but they're not good enough. You can throw Marvin Lewis into that category as well. Maybe Andy Reid is also in that group of you know a team that can get you there but there will always be another coach that does a better job that will you know not make the same mistakes that they do that will be able to get over the top and that's why you see these these coaches you know they get there and they're one and done every single year it seems like they're they're just not able to get over the hump that just generally happens to be the the new england patriots and uh you know someone had to win that game between the Titans and the Chiefs. Mike Malarkey did, and now he saved his job because he should be the head coach next year for much to the chagrin of all Titans fans who were hoping that Josh McDaniels would come down there and finally figure out how to use Marcus Mariota, who, despite an amazing performance against the Chiefs, where, you know, he, he caught a touchdown pass. <laughs> that, that happened. That definitely happened. But Marcus Mariota, for the entire, you know, regular season, he threw more interceptions than touchdown passes. And so... There's something fundamentally questionable with this Titans team. They are, in my eyes, the epitome of an average team. They just somehow were able to compete against the Kansas City Chiefs that were just the model of inconsistency in 2017, and they were fortunate enough to catch the Chiefs on one of their downswings.
1: Indeed, they did, and boy, did it work out for the Patriots. Because honestly, I'm looking back at the way the AFC playoffs has played out so far, it really could not have gone better for New England. I feel like the Jaguars at the Steelers is a really good matchup for the Patriots from a a standpoint on either one team wins and the other team get banged up, or. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good game to watch and a much harder road to hoe than the Titans coming in. I was actually very nervous about the Chiefs. If the Patriots had to play the Chiefs this Saturday at eight fifteen, I might have called an upset special. They already beat them in Foxborough, open the year. They have a very good running game. They have a very good tight end. They have a legit speedster and deep threat and a quarterback who is more than capable and downright happy to lead 10, 11, 12, 13 play drives without making mistakes. And that's exactly how you beat the Patriots, keeping Tom Brady off the field. But because the Titans upset him, that's not a problem. And the last time Marcus Mariota played the Patriots was 2015, I believe. He got injured, and Charlie Whitehurst stitched the game, I think, or somebody that I don't
0: remember. Zach Mettenberger. Zach Mettenberger. I know
1: it's one of those no name Jesus quarterback. And Joey Iosifov ran for like 50 yards. It was just a blowout. And so now, I think the Patriots have a really, really easy path towards a home playoff game for what the, the eighth consecutive Ace Championship game Is that would be
0: uh they've been there every year since 2011 so whatever that math is i think that is, you're right that is the the eighth straight year i agree this this is a titans team that has greatly overachieved by simply by making the playoffs and the fact that they won a game is just the cherry on top and you know some teams when they accomplish something that they didn't expect they fall on their face the next week. When you look at a team like the Bills, for example, they were celebrating it once they reached the playoffs, like they had achieved their goal. But, you know, when it came down to actually playing wildcard weekend, they came out, fell flat on their face, and they weren't able to accomplish anything because they had already celebrated. You know, that's the Rex Ryan syndrome. They, they come out against this one team, and they treat it like their Super Bowl, and they don't do anything else. And I think that this Titans team, is going to suffer from that a little bit next week against the Patriots because, you know what, they weren't expected to beat the Chiefs. It was huge that they beat the Chiefs, and that's enough. You know, that that's simply more than enough for them. You look at this entire team... They have a solid running game. I mean, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry are two very, very good running backs. You know, don't get me wrong. They, that's probably if they had a better head coach, they would be considered one of those top two or three tandems in the NFL. But they don't have that coaching staff. They don't have a good offensive coordinator. They don't have a creative mind calling the plays. And so DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry lead the the, the Titans number one and number two on the team in yards from scrimmage. They're not going to be on the field in the same time, and that means that you have to look at are there any other threats on this team. And when you're talking about a team like the Saints or you look at the Falcons, they have so many players that can go out there and can beat you. You know, you're looking at Ted Ginn putting up an 80-yard touchdown against the Carolina Panthers, and then you also have Michael Thomas who's a rising star at wide receiver. You have multiple players that can just break free and win the game, I don't think the Titans have that. They have two very solid players in Rashard Matthews and Eric Decker at wide receiver. They're very solid. You have Delaney Walker, who I think is a very good tight end, but he's 33. He is also solid. They don't have anyone that can take over the team. Their best chance at winning is having the other team not live up to expectations, have them come up short. And I still think that a Patriots team that comes up short can still beat this Titans team.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look back towards last season when the Patriots brought the Texans in for the divisional round, and they didn't look great. Tom Brady was a little off, threw a couple of picks. Deion Lewis more than, basically bailed the team out with a kick return and a solid performance. The Patriots did not look good, a little rusty off the line. But the Texans last year were were good, right? They weren't a great team. They were good, and a— so-so subpar Patriots team is enough to beat the middling teams in the AFC. And that's by a, 17 by points. By 17 points. That's exactly right. And I think that if the Patriots come out and lay, they'd have to lay an absolutely massive, massive egg for the Titans to be competitive in this one or just completely overlook them. That's the only thing I'm concerned about maybe is if they overlook <laughs> them in some capacity, they're already looking towards – basically, I mean, I feel like, what, would you say week seven – of the NFL season this year is when everyone started talking about Patriots Steelers in the AFC Championship game. I feel like that's about accurate. Maybe they buy it, they buy into that hype, but other than that, I don't see this being a huge problem for them.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, the people were talking Patriots Steelers, you know, back in February. You know, that, that, that is what everyone was expecting. I still think that is likely to take place. They're, they're just, unless Derrick Henry or DeMarco Murray break free for multiple, you know, field-flipping runs, and I'm talking about 40-plus yard gains, which, you know, to be fair, is very possible. The Patriots are very questionable stopping the run if they're able to get to the edge, and I'm sure the Titans are going to see that and try and do that. Uh, Malcolm Brown and Lawrence Guy are pretty solid up the middle but Kyle Van Noy didn't really play last game against the Jets and we saw Valal Powell hit the edge so hopefully Van Noy is healthy and able to set the edge again uh, James Harrison should be more integrated should figure out how he can contribute against the run but seriously I mean it, unless the Titans get those sorts of plays from their two running backs this is a Titans team that hasn't really been able to put points up on the board you know they, they scored 33 or more points three times this year, all of them in week six or before they've been averaging something like 20 points since week seven per game. They just aren't able to to just have a high scoring game. And so they just really rely on, you know, can they make one more play than the other team? But when you face a team like new England, the Titans are going to need to have five or six more plays go their way and I just don't see that counter falling into place
1: nor do I my good friend nor do I see the 80 year old Dick LeBeau suddenly changing his defense up I would love to know Tom Brady's record against Dick LeBeau has he ever lost to a Dick LeBeau defense I don't think he has it's a Uh, lot of
0: just once just once 2011 against the Steelers. There
1: you go. All right, so he's lost one time against Dick LeBeau. The master, or the originator of the zone blitz, which is a great scheme back when he was maybe in the 60s, but the game has kind of passed this guy by. I just don't see, not only is Dick LeBeau not really capable of managing a Tom Brady-led offense, I just don't really see the personnel on the defensive side of the ball, to, to compete with the if the Patriots are all healthy. Gronkowski's good to go. I imagine Chris Hogan's going to be back. I imagine Max Burkhead's going to be back. I'm not sure about Malcolm Mitchell, if he'll see the field at all this year. But we've got Kenny Britt, there's Philip Dorsett, there's Brandon Cooks, there's Danny Amendola, there's Deion Lewis. I just don't see – Logan Ryan can't cover all those guys, Rich Hill. And so I just don't know if there's enough personnel on the on the other side of the ball to really match up well. And they're going to have to get really, really creative. They want to stop the Patriots' weapons.
0: Yeah, and you know, what I was saying about the Titans offense is that, sure, they have DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry that can completely take over a game. Patriots have their Deion Lewis. They have a Rob Gronkowski. they, They have Chris Hogan can do it. Brandon Cooks can do it. They have, I mean, even Danny Amendola, I think, has had a more consistent year than the Eric Deckers of the world. And so the Patriots have too many players out there for the Titans to stop. The Titans, you know what, it is Dick LeBeau. They always have a really good run defense. I think that's important to note is that they, you know, every single year that Dick LeBeau has coached, other than like one, dating back to his first year as defensive coordinator for the Steelers in 2004, they're always, you know, like a top five unit at stopping the run, except for 2013 when he was like on the, the hot seat for Pittsburgh. And so you can't expect a player like Mike Gillisley or even Rex Burkhead to generate too much up the middle. But what the Patriots love to do against Dick LeBeau is use the running backs as receivers, throw them out into the flat and challenge the linebackers horizontally because they just attack, generally don't have the ability to cover those running backs. And, it's the same defense that he's been operating year after year after year after year. And the Patriots know what they're doing. I, I actually went through and I looked at all of the players that were able to generate, you know, 50 or 80, just like substantial day against Dick LeBeau's defense for the Patriots. Gronkowski can't be stopped. Gronkowski has had 90 or more yards five times against Dick LeBeau's defense. Five times. Then that's just because... They know what's going to happen. There's going to be a linebacker that blitzes, and that means that Gronkowski is going to be open up the seam, and Tom Brady's going to hit him, and he's going to pick up 15 yards, and he's going to get a first down, and it's going to happen like clockwork time and time again. You'll have your running backs in the flat. You'll have a wide receiver out of the slot. And you know what? There will be opportunities for huge plays if there's going to be a defensive back blitz, and Tom Brady's going to find him, and Chris Hogan or Brandon Cooks is going to get a 60-yard gain, we know how this game is gonna play out. You know what? Maybe it's going to be a close game for the first half. The Patriots are only gonna be up by seven or ten and people are like, Oh, there's a real chance that the Titans can stick this one out and then in the third quarter, Patriots are gonna pull away by another two scores, and it's gonna look like the, the the betting line of fourteen points as the Patriots being the favorite was an underestimation. I I don't see a way that the Patriots lose this game.
1: So are you at all, Rich, concerned about overconfidence? I know it's not a problem the Patriots have really had a lot in the past. Maybe you can count on one hand the times the Pats may have overlooked an opponent. But is there any way you're concerned about just the bye week and then the nonsense going out with Alex Guerrero and that stupid Wickersham report? Any, Any concern on your end of the Patriots not being really focused on the Titans and overlooking them this week?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Bill Belichick has always done a great job of making sure that his team is focused on the other side, what they're capable of doing. And you can already hear the spin that he's putting out there on the Titans team that, you know what, they were able to beat a chiefs team that destroyed the Patriots in week one. That is definitely going to be the very first line that he tells his players that this is a team that beat a team that beat the Patriots and that should be enough to, to get them up and going. But then you also look at their individual players and see what they're capable of and, DeMarco Murray is, is an all-pro caliber player. Derek Henry is a bulldozer, and the Patriots have been weak against the run, and if he's able to get going, it could be a game over. Rashad Matthews has had success. Eric Decker, both of those guys have had success against the Patriots in the past. They really appreciate what Delaney Walker does at tight end due to his versatility as a receiver and a blocker. So each individual player has enough highlight tape for the Patriots to say, you know what, this is a team that has a chance on any given Sunday. So I don't think that the Patriots are going to come out flat for this one. The only way I see the Titans having a chance would be if this were like a 2009 wild card game between the Patriots and the Ravens. Remember when Ray Rice opened up that game with was like an 87-yard touchdown run on the very first play? Yeah. That's the, that that's the sort of performance or sort of play that the Titans are going to need to stick this one out. And was Brady had three turnovers in the first twenty minutes, all of them set up the the Ravens on the Patriots side of the field, or and so I mean the Ravens were just hand fed points that entire game. So you just need an epic collapse by both the defense and turnovers from Tom Brady and the offense for it to go down. I just don't see it happening because. It's just it's just not something that this team has done. Or, or I should correct that. They already did it against the Dolphins, so they're not going to do it again. <laughs> yep. One stinker per
1: year. They're allowed one stinker per year. They already did it. I like the analogy though. I, I failed algebra multiple times in high school, like I'm sure you're shocked to hear, but I think the the equations like A equals B and B equals C and A equals C. I think that is that what is. That's I think that's what Bell's gonna do with the Titans and the Chiefs. Titans beat the Chiefs, Chiefs beat the Patriots. So Titans beat the Patriots. That's how he's going to spin it, and I'm sure it'll work. I think that if anything is going on in terms of the, I don't really want to talk about it I think it's an absolute non-story, but no team's better than the Patriots at circling the wagons when some kind of hit piece or report comes out about them in a negative light. They'll definitely use that as motivation. I can't imagine Tom Brady wants to lose another game as a 40-year-old. He can be a 40-year-old 2 Bowl winning quarterback. That's a big uh, plus for him to have. He loved to collect ac- uh, accolades like that. And I think he's as motivated as ever and the Patriots are getting healthy at the right time. I have I like the Titans, I got against them. I have very fond memories of that fifty nine to nothing snow game blowout. Um I just think that the Tennessee Titans are running to an absolute buzzsaw this Saturday.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I and Brady has so much to prove right now. He was I mean, I don't want to say absolutely atrocious in the the month of December, but he was not good. He he was below average if you look at his type of production over the final four weeks of the year. I believe his passer rating was something really sad, like 80, 81. I mean, he was very, very mediocre. And part of it is due to the Achilles injury and shoulder injuries that he's been battling all year. I wouldn't be surprised if he had something happen against the Miami Dolphins when he was hit you know, 10 times by Cameron Wake back in week 11 or whenever that was, week 12, 13. And I think he's going to be healthier. He's going to come out, and he's going to have a lot to prove that those four weeks are not representative of any sort of deterioration in his ability. It was more of an aberration. And the Tom Brady that we saw for the first 12 weeks of the season where he was just... Playing on a different planet is going to show up again for this postseason, and that should be more than enough to take down the Titans. I'm not going to say it's going to be a 59-0 type of victory, but my guess is that New England's going to win this one. It'll be pretty comfortable.
1: I'm with you. I'm just glad it's on a Saturday night. Saturday night game is great for MLK weekend to the Patriots. Hopefully, if they win this one, an extra day to not only rest and relax, but prepare for a potential rematch with the Steelers. And maybe we'll get Mike Tomlin on camera again saying these able got an extra day one more time because that worked out well last year.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm just excited to finally get the Patriots back on the field. It's playoffs. This is when the games actually matter. It's great to finally see that. but Alec, we're going to have all of this information on the site, patspulpit.com. Do you have any final thoughts on the, the upcoming games in the postseason, or are you just ready to watch some football?
1: Wake up, Patriots Nation. The Patriots preseason has ended. The regular season is finally here.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a good one. We're going to see our good friends Gronk and Cooks and Lewis take the field against the Titans. We will have our pregame show. We'll have all of the, the previews and, and write-ups on patspuppet.com and Alec, until next time, you have a good one